When I was six, my best friend at the time, Patricia, drowned in a pool that belonged to another good friend of mine. My first real salient loss, I was not quite old enough to understand it fully at the time. It stayed with me for a while. I hadn't yet learned how to grieve, so I put it away as if on a shelf and dealt with it over the years in little chunks. Each new grief called some of it up, and sometimes I called it up on my own, ready to grapple with it a with just a little bit more of what it had meant to me. In my tween years, at a sleepover party, with a bunch of my friends, we decided we wanted to have a seance to try to speak to Patricia. As kids do, we took this very seriously. We created a circle with a single candle in the middle, and we held hands. We called out to Patricia, asking her to speak with us. We focused our energy intently on the flame in the center and asked if she was with us. The flame seemed to flicker up and down, as if it was nodding at us. I remember feeling cold. I remember the fear that the wrong thing might happen, that Patricia might not be friendly anymore, or that something else might come to visit us in her place. But we carried on. We asked a series of questions and watched the flame in amazement as it seemed to flicker, either up and down or side to side in answer to our questions. We asked if she was okay, if she had forgiven the friend who owned the pool in which she had died, if she was in any pain, if she was happy. And underneath these questions, we asked for comfort. We asked it was, whether it was okay that we had forgiven our friend. We asked for the strength to move on. We asked to understand what we had lost. We asked how to remember with joy. This was one particularly poignant moment of memory and grief for me, a moment when I voiced out loud to friends who understood the loss that was this death, a moment when it felt as though the veil between the everyday ordinary world and the world of magic and spirits and everything unexplainable had opened, a moment when I felt held by a group of people and honored in my sorrow. A moment when I felt joy in the memory of someone I had lost. I remember being at Patricia's funeral, sitting with my family and hers in the front row at a church, but this ritual act, the one in which I was more fully engaged, the one where I got to say out loud what I needed to say and ask the the questions to which there are no answers, and experience something outside of normal reality, this one changed me. This one showed me something of what our relationship with death truly is, how complex it is, how mixed up we can feel about it, how the joy and the fear and the sorrow are all mixed up together, like the gold stars and the bittersweet. What we now call Halloween 
has both Celtic and Christian roots and influences, as we heard this morning in adult religious education. Throughout its historical roots, spirits of the dead play key roles. Now pardon me as I boil down what we learned this morning are complex histories and traditions into what best suits my purposes this morning. Samhain, the Celtic holiday that marks the close of harvest time and the beginning of the dark days of the year, influenced our current practices quite a bit. It was thought that on Samhain, the doors to the other world would open so that the spirits of the dead could enter this one. The souls of departed loved ones were beckoned to return home. A chair was placed for them at the feasts. At the same time, however, there were not so friendly spirits coming through the door, and there were rituals to protect oneself from being harmed by them, like dressing up in skins, or carrying turnip lanterns, sometimes with faces carved in them. All Saints' Day, the Christian holiday honoring the saints and the recently departed, also influenced our celebrations. It was thought long ago that the spirits of those who died remained on earth until All Saints' Day, making All Hallows' Eve the last night in which they were able to take revenge on any living soul that might have wronged them in life. People wore masks in order to hide from the spirits who may be seeking to bestow vengeance upon them. At the same time, people prayed vigorously for the souls of their departed friends to reach heaven and rang bells to aid the souls in purgatory moving on. I'm intrigued by the many connections between the Celtic and the Christian roots, as well as the fact that All Saints' Day was intentionally moved to the same day as Samhain. But what I want to draw our attention to about these particular pieces of history is what was believed about the spirits of those who died and how we as humans used that to create ritual. We called those spirits back to feast with us making space for them to sit among us so that the memory of them and their love brings them alive and present with us for a time. Or we ward them off with objects designed to scare them away, to scare away that which scares us. Or we hide from potential retribution for things we've done to harm another. Or we hope beyond hope, that our loved ones are in a place of comfort and peace and not one of pain or anguish. When someone dear to us dies, when we lose someone from this life, we experience this whole range of emotions. We recall the sweet memories, wishing we could call them back into our home, into our lives. We feel rushes of pain and sorrow, often doing our best to avoid the torrents of emotions, though they ultimately will overtake us. We become fearful sometimes of life without them, of what they might be encountering, of all that is unknown. We grapple with whatever is unresolved between us, all that we did not have a chance to apologize for, all that we had not yet forgiven them for, all that was left unsaid. 
we yearn for some peace for ourselves and for the departed. The fear and the sorrow and the memory and the love are all mixed up together. We laugh through tears. There's an exquisite nature to the pain of loss. Throughout history, humans have openly tried to understand all that they have felt in the wake of death around them. We've tried to make meaning out of something we cannot fully grasp. We've yearned for answers that we will not find in this lifetime. And by doing so through ritual, we have found some part of what we were seeking. By leaning into the fear, by experiencing the sorrow, by dressing up to hide from the unresolved, we have found some sense of peace. The physical ways in which we work through the range of human emotions helps us to leave them behind. Whatever we believe about ghosts or spirits, it didn't ultimately matter whether Patricia was speaking to us, to me. What matters was what happened to me on that night. What mattered was my engagement with my grief in all of its many shades. What mattered was the way my friends and I held one another in community, in our common grief and confusion and hope. Whether we are grappling with grief or dancing on the edge of something else, there are always gold stars in the bittersweet. There's always beauty to be found, even in the most ugly of places or people. There's always joy to be found in the midst of terrible sorrow. There's always hope, even when it feels like all is lost. There's always a way for us to wrestle with our emotions, a way to break free of the holds they can take on us. It may be as simple as speaking with love to one another or saying what you need to the stars or asking the questions that pester you out loud in an empty room. The answers may not come. What you need may not shower upon you, but having put it out there, you've done something important. Just naming that which is in our hearts is powerful. And creating a community where we can share what we struggle with is valuable. Even the most mundane work or the most simple tasks can become the most sacred rituals if they allow us to show some of our deepest vulnerabilities or to open the wells of sorrow within us or share some laughter and joy. They can be equally holy if they invite us to laugh with complete abandon from deep in our bellies or to joyously dance our cares away. This is what covenantal community is all about. It's about creating a place where we can bring all of our mixed-up emotions, all of our grief, all of the traumas we've experienced, all of the baggage that we've gathered along our journeys. It's about shaping a space so that it will help us not to be beholden to our pain and our sorrow, but where we can let go of what holds us back from being our best selves. 
It's a place where we will push each other to work through whatever it is in us that makes us mean sometimes. Where we support each other in our growth. In the ritual of coming here, of engaging in the spiritual journey and community rather than on our own. And of, yes, even committee work or hours of wordsmithing a covenant, we are doing important spiritual work. We are holding up the beauty of this life in all of the ways in which it is gloriously ghastly. We are naming our aspirations and hopes, knowing that part of being human is not always being our best. We are facing what scares us, with great courage and strength. We are honoring the mystery and wonder of not having all the answers. We are laughing and crying, living and dying, believing strongly in life and love. Weaving each new experience of loss and love, of tears and laughter into ourselves with care with care for how we will remember and how our memories can be teachers and givers of life, with courage to keep moving forward, ever committed to the work of growth and wholeness, to the world of beloved community where we all know that, they, that we are valued and worthy of great love, with gratitude for the ways in which our sorrows ease as we have the space to work through them, making more and more room for joy to bubble up in us, allowing more and more gladness and warmth to carry us through. For there is a love that is unending, that will wrap us up in beauty and light. There is a home that will embrace you and a family that will cherish you if you will walk with them, even as we are all a bit mixed up sometimes. Amen.